Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexander Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Recently, Dominique and I spent an afternoon catching up and going through topics she's been collecting from my new book, Modern Horse Training, and also from the online clinics. In part one, the focus was on working both sides of your horse. In part two, we shifted topics to talk about Piaf. And what we were really talking about was managing energy. And that led us to a conversation about cues and simple chains, and then on to base behaviors. What we want to help our horses find, what we want in this work, is a deep, deep feeling of all is well within the horse. That means you can ask for added energy without it becoming unsettling. The horse can go to the kind of added energy that is channeled into performance and then immediately go back to settled, relaxed, calm stillness because the horse is feeling deeply safe in his being. He's feeling deeply secure in the work and in his relationship with you. This doesn't just come out of the blue, and it doesn't happen just because you you feed him lots of carrots. It's the result of thoughtful training that includes the use of base behaviors. Base behaviors give you a middle ground to return to as you ask for different behaviors. Suppose you're teaching your horse to lift his front feet up when when cued. So he lifts his left foot up, he lifts his right foot up, he gets lots of reinforcement for leg lifts. And what can happen is you, you reach a point where you look at your horse and he says, I know what to do, I'm gonna lift my feet up. And, and so you get to a point where you've lost four on the floor stillness. You've lost the middle ground. So what base behaviors give you is the ability to ask for left, right, and in the middle, four on the floor. Base behaviors keep your training in balance. Base behaviors give you the calm center. So the discussion of base behaviors last week brought us to the metaphor of taproot behaviors. This discussion of taproot behaviors is where we're going to pick up as we resume our conversation. So we need this idea of base behavior. Uh, We need the calm center. What begins to happen is you get the taproot effect. And the taproot was a metaphor that canine trainer Steve White presented. And this again goes back a a lot of years. He was doing that presentation at the Clicker Expo on the taproot behavior. But it's a nice image. And and as horse people, we're all familiar with taproots because carrots are taproots. You you think of that big root that is a carrot and you have all the little roots that go off to the side. So my taproot might be standing on a mat and grownups are talking. Very powerful core behavior. And so I have my horse in grown-ups are talking, and then I'm 
might ask for a little bit of head lowering. So I might reinforce and ask for head lowering two or three times. And then I go back to grownups. And then I might work on targeting for a couple of rounds of targeting. And I go back to grownups. And then I might ask for a little bit of backing. And then I go back to grownups. But I keep going back to this core. To your base. To the base behavior of grownups. And so it gets stronger and stronger and stronger relative to all these other behaviors mm -hmm. because I keep going back to that behavior. And, and the consistency, the solidity of the grownups are talking just becomes greater and greater as you build that reinforcement history around it. Yeah. I think it's so key because probably for me anyway, one of the, the thing that can push people away from clicker training is not knowing what to do with the eagerness of our yes. animal. Yes. And I've heard this, you know, I've heard yes. people go to traditional trainers and traditional trainers saying, you have to stop doing this because you're, the horse are too hectic. Yeah. So it's so important to know how to stabilize the training, how to get that calmness, even if, and this is why I wanted to talk about the Piaf, the Piaf even if you're working on something that is a little bit more energetic, dynamic, you know, in the course you're showing, it was actually a Cavalier horse, actually. <laughs> I love seeing him. But, you know, you're asking the horse to do leg lift, then grown up, he's on a mat, and then hugs, yes. and then grown ups. So these behavior, you know, leg lift and hugs, they can become, you know, head lowering is one thing. You can't get into too much trouble with, I mean, you could with the speed can, of the response. You can really annoy handlers who do not understand that the horse is lowering his head because it's a trained behavior you can really get yeah very but i mean hugging if he's swinging his head oh. at you or lifting his legs yes. or these you know and even i mean i can think of many other behaviors that could be even worse but anyway but the idea is that now we're not just working with two behaviors we're working with three behaviors or even more yeah we're always coming back to these base behavior we have all these contrasting cues that are clear to the animal because that participates to the calmness. When the horse feels like, what am I supposed to do to get to that treat that I so want? But that's not what's happening here. He knows exactly. Yes. And it's it slow because it's not just out of the blue that these base behaviors are often still behaviors like grown-ups standing on a mat. Maybe you could use other things as base behaviors because it's a base behavior really is how you use it. Right. It, it, it's not just because it's grown-up, although grown-up kind of has it like intrinsically, I don't know, call me, but I, could you miss oh, up you can, you can have a really intense grown-ups look, look at how actively yeah, i'm standing still true. i'm just quivering in every muscle in my yeah, body yeah that's the I'm other so end standing still yeah, yeah you can the... you can generate a really uptight standing still which would come from what from lack of clarity again or 
Why would you end up there with that kind of stressed out grown-ups? How does that happen? You have you have eagerness and high rates of reinforcement mm. and the handler is not paying attention to the emotional markers that are sitting in that behavior. But I, su I suspect there would be some lack of clarity for grown-ups to become like that, no? Like, or maybe the person is asking for too much too soon. She's she's trying to get duration. I, I don't I, know how, you, how do you get I think there. They're just not tuning in to the emotional level within, you know, they're not noticing. They're so let's say you have they're that. not what noticing you that the horse is, is taking the treats, just grabbing the treats. Right. Um, what would you do? Let's say you, you're, you're, because grownups is kind of our calming tool, but what if your calming tool has become in hectic, stressed out? behavior how do you bring it back to its how do you give it back its calming properties and i would probably spend a lot of time working on things such as head lowering mm. and building calmness within the head lowering so in a way head lowering would become your base behavior could we say that you could have head lowering as a base behavior mm -hmm. absolutely you know and, and also you have to look at you know, when you're training, I think it's important to think about who are you training for? So I know people who like a very quick course. They like mm -hmm. that sense of that little sense of buzz mm -hmm. that the horse has. They enjoy it and they they know how to manage that kind of energy. They like the, the quick response that the horse shows. They like the horse that's, that's on you know, that's, I'm ready. Here I am. What what can I do for you? They like that and they know how to manage it. And it's their horse. So mm -hmm. it's fine for them to train that level of eagerness. Mm -hmm. And the horse is, is comfortable and is, because you can be eager and not be stressed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you can be. It's uh, a great. It's it's fun to for a human. Yeah. It's a great state to be in. Yeah, you can be really sharp in your responses, and that doesn't mean that you're stressed. It just means that you're you're really clear. Yeah, and, and you're and into able it. to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're into it. Yeah, but if your clicker training horse is going to be seen, then you want to think about who's looking at this horse. Mm -hmm. So it's all well and good. If, say I say I have a horse who I've known for years. I have a really nice relationship with the horse. If the horse is a little muggy, I don't mind. <clears throat> you know, it's not a big deal if he pushes into my space every now and then because we're just good buddies. And taught some fun things with the clicker. And he throws a bow at me and I just laugh. And then I take him out in public and all of that behavior that I think is just cute now is looked on at by the general public as, mm. and you want me to train, to click or train for what reason? So we have to think <laughs> about if I'm going to be taking this horse out in public, mm. just like if I'm going to take a child to a restaurant, there is a level of expectation 
hopefully, in terms of how this child behaves. Not always, but not always. But let's let's say you actually want to leave the restaurant and be able to come back, (laughs) and 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 you want to be able to say, yes, that's my child who's sitting there. Not can I climb under the table and not be seen? You know, there there is a level of expectation in terms of what this child needs to have in repertoire before you would go out to, you know, a fine dining experience with a child. And the same thing with the horses that, you know, we want a solid grown-ups are talking so that the horse is not constantly mugging at us, mugging at us, mugging at us, because it, it just, it, it doesn't look inviting to have a horse who's constantly crowding into your space. And, and so we need to teach the horse, well, what can you do? You know, if you're not going to be crowding up to these visitors at the barn, what are behaviors that you can do or that I can ask for that will be acceptable to people, to myself, and it's not muggy? So back to our base behavior. Yes. You know, you, you said before left, middle, and right. I, I kind of like that image because I have the, the slide that you have in the course where you have like a behavior A on the left, isn't it a little blue square? Okay. Then you have the base behavior in the middle, and you had behavior B on the right in that little blue square. So you have your three behaviors there. And there was a very interesting question, which in a way will kind of circle back to where we started when we said, you know, clean doesn't mean fully developed. But someone was asking, how well developed do these behavior have to be in order for you to use the system, you know, and for the base behavior to be reinforcing? So they were asking Will this function with behaviors that are not fully developed? So, yes. Earlier, I talked about the clinic horse that I worked with, where it was just where I worked on the left side. That's when we were talking about you have to work both sides Mm -hmm. the same. And so, I on one day spent some time working on the left side and then started working on the right side. And it was really clear in that second day, that when I went to the left, that the left was already operating as a conditioned reinforcer. Mm -hmm. So the grownups are talking, it's not going to be fully developed. Now, it it takes a a long time to really develop what I'll call Grand Prix level grownups are talking. But well, because one of the element of a base behavior is a strong reinforcement history. So yes. you have to build. You have, you have to, to build, build a strong, it. yeah. So that yeah. so it will take a little bit of time for that. Yeah. And and to be able to 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 have it working under a variety of environmental conditions, you know, that that all takes time. You know, it takes it takes a lot of work to build up a really Grand Prix level uh, performance. But long before you've reached that level of polish and expertise within that behavior, it can be functioning as a base behavior. It will be functioning as a base behavior. And I wonder in this 
right, middle, left, or, you know, A, B, and base behavior, everything can reinforce everything else in a way, yes. no? Yes. <laughs> so and even even the behaviors, the A, B behaviors can reinforce the base behavior, couldn't right. they? Right. So when we look at the, the horse that you just mentioned, who is an absolute charmer, absolute charmer. And so he, he had these three, he had many behaviors, but these three behaviors that I was playing with. So he's standing on a mat and the three behaviors were grown-ups are talking, then the hug and leg flexions. Mm -hmm. This horse loved giving hugs. Yeah. He, and he was extraordinary. And he was, he was very promiscuous. He would hug <laughs> anybody and everybody. Robin is very particular about who he hugs. Mm. But this particular individual, if you opened your arms, he was going to hug you. Mm. And if we had not built in an off switch, mm. that would have been a really annoying, annoying Possibly dangerous, dangerous yeah. behavior because he, he was very been, tall and strong. <laughs> yep. And and charming. But mm. but he would have been and beautiful. And beautiful. He would have been less and all charming. white. Yes. Anyway, we'll stop. <laughs> yes. And elegant. And yes. elegant. Yes. And smart. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, but he would have been a whole lot less charming. If every time you went near him, he was flinging his head into your space. So it was really important to build an off switch. So when when I asked for grown-ups are talking, and then I create an I open my arms, which says, okay, now you can fling your head into my space and I will click and reinforce you. I've just reinforced grown-ups. Yeah. So because he so loves flinging his head into your space. Mm that it reinforced grown-ups. But that maybe in the beginning, it wasn't like that. But it very quickly became. In his case. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. And and the same thing with the leg flexions. He really liked giving leg flexions. Mm -hmm. The hugs were so fascinating. I, I find, I just, horses are, fat. they just, they're endlessly fascinating. Horses are a flight reaction animal. It's, if you're worried about something, it's leave first, ask questions later. That's horses. And so we teach horses to stand on mats. And when they stand on the mat, they go, oh, my security blanket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they settle and they relax and they, they can be in, a, in an environment where there's all kinds of stuff going on that's worrying them. And you put a mat down and they go, oh, great, my security blanket. Let me stand on it. Now I, I know what relax. to do. I can relax. And you think, why is this, why does this work this way? And then with the hug, so this this horse was initially a little worried, actually a lot worried about going deep into the arena. So when I had mats set out, say in a circle of mats, I could feel that the mats that were close to the arena door. The, the entrance into the arena. He was very comfortable on those. But as we got around to the mats that were a little deeper in the arena, I could feel he was less, he was less comfortable about going there. He didn't want to stay as long. It was like, mm. can we get back to the near end of the arena? 
And then I taught him hugs. And the hugs changed everything. It was like having the, the proverbial ostrich who gets to put his head in the sand, that we would go onto the mat and I would open my arms and give him a hug and he would just go, oh, I don't know what I was worried about. Everything is cool here. Mm. And we'd go to the next mat, which is deeper in the arena. And I'd ask him to hug and I'd give him a good squeeze. So it wasn't, you know, it was a real squeeze of a bear hug. And he'd go, oh, can we stay here forever? It was fascinating how much of an emotional shift occurred through teaching him to hug. Mm. With well, clear cues. With clear cues. Yeah, Absolutely. clear beginning, clear end. You know, in the in the course, you say cues are your power tool. Yes. Yes, they really are. To, to stabilize the, the training, to build complex behaviors cues are so powerful yeah and 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 it's great because you can experiment with them really early you should experiment with them really early in the beginning you as an no, off switch like everything yeah. we just explained you have no choice but to experiment with them because cues evolve through the shaping process but it's it's the, better when the handler is aware of them. It is better <laughs> when the handler is aware of them. Mm -hmm. And but the the cues are going to be there even when you're not aware mm -hmm. that the cues are there. And it's definitely better when you are staying that one step ahead and going, oh look, opening my arms has just become a cue for, mm -hmm. you know, and and then you can use them more deliberately. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that that being so. You must have explored base behaviors with your horses. Can you think of places where you use the base behavior and what has it done for you? Well, I think mostly for me, well, of course, for sure, as an off switch. But what I really like about those behaviors is how it slows things down. Yes. Because... You know, it, it was interesting because one of the questions when we were looking at this horse with the leg lifts and the grown-ups and the um, hugs, it's you presented maybe a 15-second example of this, but it actually went quite fast. Yeah. You know, even though there was a base behavior there, you were controlling everything, it was very clear to you and the horse... But it was fast enough that one of the participants wasn't sure what she had just seen. And she was asking questions. And so you answered and you described everything and made it clear for her. But training can go really fast. Yes. You know, when you have a savvy horse, things can, I mean, you get five behaviors in five seconds. And particularly so, because a lot of the behaviors that you're asking for maybe short duration behaviors you know exactly like, yeah, uh, yeah when we're asking for the horse to soften at the pole mm. it's, not, that it's half a second it, yeah it happens in the blink of an eye literally it, it's not something that happens over a long exactly extended. and and a leg lift it's the, the leg is up and then it's down mm. it's not a long it doesn't take a lot of time to get a lot of iterations of leg lifts. Mm. So and 
when you don't have these behaviors, things get out of control in no time. Yes. It feels overwhelming, disorganized, and you feel your learner is not learning. Or he he's not learning what you want him to he's learn. He's not learning what he can yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not learning what you want. And and it, and maybe you have no idea what he's learning because it's so disorganized yeah. and everything is like all it's a mess. He's he's Rolodexing. So when you know when when either uh, he's Rolodexing or he's like, what is she clicking? Yeah. You yeah. know, this is so what am I because this is when we say it's not because you're giving treats. If the horse doesn't understand, you know, like when we were talking about the funnel, yes. the, the larger end or the smaller end, and there's so many variations in the larger end of the funnel when you're shaping that it's not a good experience for the horse because he's getting clicked a lot, but he doesn't really know why he's getting clicked. And so it's not yeah. a good experience. And he's getting he's getting clicked a lot, but not consistently. Not so, consistently. You know, I just lifted my leg and you clicked, and then I lifted my leg and you didn't click. Exactly. And so and, now I think I'll bite you. Because... Yeah. So when you have the base behavior, it slows everything down. Yeah. It helps you as a handler to think with your yes. timing, and it just feels organized. Yes. It feels organized, clear. It feels under control. So, you know, I, what it, what, it, one of the things that it does for you. So, when we start out with the clicker training, we're starting out with protective contact. You have a horse in a stall, you have them in a small paddock, and we start out with the 20 treat strategy. So, we're putting 20 treats into your pocket. And that doesn't mean that you're going to have 20 trials, but it does mean that you're going to run out of, of goodies. So you may do five or six rounds of targeting and then you toss some treats into the bucket and you walk away. You have a really short session. And when you've walked away, you're now thinking about that gives you time to assess what just occurred. You're looking, you know, what? how did my horse do? What should I do next? And it gives you a, a chance to not just consider, yes, he touched the target, but also, how did he touch it? How did he take the food? What were the emotional behaviors that I was seeing along with that? So it gives you time to really think about what to do next. And then you go back, you do a round of training, and then you take another break. So you're taking all these little breaks because we're saying you're only going to put this small handful of treats into your pocket. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to force you to take a break. But now you're no longer needing protective contact. You're going in directly with the horse. You're taking the horse out into the arena. And it's not that convenient to be stopping. Every 20 every, treats. Every 20 treats. So you're, you're filling your pocket with uh, the treats that you're going to use for a, a more extended training session. But that doesn't mean that you still don't need to be able to take breaks. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that your horse doesn't need to take breaks. So how do we create breaks for the horse and the handler when we've got our pockets filled with goodies and we can just keep going? 
Mm. And the way that we create breaks is by having things such as the base behavior. Mm. I've just done a little round of targeting or I've gone around the circle of cones asking for lateral flexions. And now we're going back into the middle onto this mat and we're going to work on grown-ups. And in that time that I'm on the mat, that's a mental break for me. It's a mental and physical break for you. So we're instead of actually stopping and walking mm -hmm. away from the horse, we are using this change in the rhythm and we're using change in the behavior to create a break. So one of the ways that we can create a break is to walk off casually. So yeah. I've just done a little bit of concentrated work and now we walk off casually with the horse. So we're on a, a loose lead. We go a few steps and then it's back to, maybe it's back to grownups are talking. And then we work on, on stillness, which maybe is, is a challenge for this particular horse to stand still. So we work on a little bit of stillness and then I walk off casually. So we, you're learning how to use the behaviors that you're teaching, how to use them to give your horse and yourself breaks. Yes. Yeah. So you asked this question to the participant, how do they use those base behaviors in their training? What, what does it add to their training? And there was one participant, she was, so she's using maths a lot, it's great behavior. I thought her answer was really short, but it encompasses so much. I'd like to read it. Oh, so okay. she says, we have a mat with us for almost every training session that has a special function. That's where we start. That's where we end. And that's where we take a break. The horse has the possibility to go to this mat so that he can let me know that he needs a break. And I can park him there with duration when I set up the camera or rearrange something. It's a great thing for both of us. So yep. she has all these usage for the mat, you know, all these, yep. which I think is, I mean, and what I particularly, what I particularly like in that is that her horse can also choose to go to the mat. Mm. So it's not just, I'm now telling you, you can go to the mat. I'm now telling you, you can go have a break. The horse can also say, I need a break. Yeah. Talk and, about promoting calmness and stabilizing yes. training. Yes. And That's talk about talk about communicating mm. and communicating choice and communicating, you know, right now you're confusing me. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going to go over here and stand on a map while you think about what to change so that. And you can reinforce that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that choice to go to the mat, that is always a good choice. Always a good choice. It's yeah. such valuable, such valuable. Of course, if, if you're asking for something and they've gone to the mat five times in a row, maybe you should start right. rethinking your session. But, you know, in the middle of a session, if it happens once, it's I think it's a very yeah. clickable. And we're, uh, we're, we're also not talking about the tractor beam draw of a mat in this case so this is a horse who is educated to mats and where the mat is the mat is definitely going to a mat standing on a mat certainly a behavior that the horse is comfortable doing but the horse can also walk past the mat 
mm-hmm. it's without dragging you over to it. So it's it's not because often with in the early stages of teaching maps, you get that phase where it's like being dragged to grass. The horse is dragging you to the mat. Mm. So we're past that phase. We're talking about this. But when you're doing that, I know we talked about it a little bit in a, a previous podcast, but do you want to revisit just quickly? How What would you do if you're in the phase where the tract, the, the mat is attracting the horse? Like you don't, you want to go past it, but they are going to the mat. Every time there's a mat in the vicinity, I go to the mat. That is what you're calling the tractor beam. Right. So it's it's like a Borg ship. Resistance is futile. <laughs> so when, when you're near a mat, the horse just get as soon as you get within. Oh, there's the mat, a mat. <laughs> I must go to it. I must. And, yes. And so one of the training principles is don't make your horse wrong for something that you've taught him. And for everything you teach, there's an, there's opposite. an opposite behavior you must teach to keep things in balance. But it, but there is a lot of don't make your horse wrong for something that you've taught him. If mm. you've just been teaching head lowering and you touch the lead and he drops his head, from your horse's point of view, that is absolutely a correct response. Mm. And when and if you then say, no, well, that's the wrong answer. I didn't want head lowering. Not now. now, not right now. It was okay two minutes ago, but yeah. not anymore. Well, you've just made the right answer wrong. And that can be crazy making. Mm-hmm. So one simple solution with mats is if you're not using the mats. Take them away. Take them away. So manage the environment. That's one of the easy answers with mats. If you want to be able to walk past mats that are in the environment, without being pulled in like the board ship resistance is futile, then you need to go through a teaching process and the runway lesson, which is part of the initial teaching horses to go to a mat. The runway lesson is part of teaching horses that yes, we're going to go to the mat, but we're going to go together to the mat. You're not going to drag me, you know, you're not suddenly going to start dragging on the lead to get to the mat. So I would go back and review the runway lesson. And then you can have multiple mats. So you put lots of mats out in the environment. And as you as you come in the vicinity of one mat, you can say, well, yes, I see that mat, but there's one just past it that's just as good. How about mm-hmm. if we go to that mat instead? And And the horses very quickly learn oh, right, I don't have to drag you that bad because I'm going to have an opportunity to go to this other I mat. think, too, the yeah. placement of the mat may promote or not the behavior. I mean, if the yes. mat is right there and you're asking for something really difficult, you know, you're kind of working against yourself. But if yeah. the mat is gradually being, you know, if it's far away and gradually you bring it closer and you're not asking or something really difficult, I think it's also a way to teach to be yes. around the mat without going always to the mat. And again, cues are important. There has to be a cue so they know, okay, this time we're going to the mat and this time we're not going to the mat. Right. The context will also be important. I mean, if there's a, probably if there's a circle of cones with mats, every, I mean, it's I wouldn't start there for my horse to ignore a map, let's say. Right. 
you know, because but also that that's a often a place where the humans start to ignore the map. So they've got a circle of cones and the maps are set out around the circle of cones and they've taught the horse to maybe they've used the maps to teach the horse to go around the circle of cones. Mm -hmm. So so the horse has been reinforced for stopping on mats mm. as he goes around the circle of cones. But now the lesson is progressing and the handler is working on adding bells and whistles to walking around, to going around the mat. Maybe they're working on lateral flexions. And so they head off from a mat and they ask the horse for a nice lateral bend and a nice lateral bend is beginning to emerge. And just as it's beginning to emerge, they get to the next mat and the horse stops. It's like, oh, no, no, I didn't want you to stop there. We were working on lateral flexions. Well, you've just made the horse wrong for something that you taught him. So yeah. in that case, when he landed on the mat, he was right to land on the mat because that's yeah. what you've been teaching him to do. And you've been setting it up, setting been, him up. Yeah, for yeah, that. for that. And, and then you want to think about well, what's the future of this behavior? Because if I want a really strong mat behavior where, where my horse knows what to do with the mat, you get to a mat, you stop. And that for whatever reason, many reasons, that that is important to me, that I want to be able to use mats, then I want to really think about well, do I want to teach my horse to, to ignore. ignore a mat yeah. that he is passing over? Maybe not. You know, Maybe like not. her, when she's saying he can use the mat to show me that he needs a break or that he doesn't understand what we're working on. So, yeah. And so if I don't want my horse ignoring mats and the mat is in the path of something else that I'm working on, but I don't really need the mat anymore and take the mat away. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe you want the track to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, mm. so you really want to think about, okay, that prop was really useful to me and it helped me to get to where I am now, but it is no longer needed. Sort of like wheels on a training wheels on a bicycle. On a bicycle. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. I, I needed those training wheels while the child was learning how to ride the bike, but but she now knows how to balance a bicycle and pedal so the bicycle doesn't fall over. I can take the training wheels off. So now I like props. I like the flexibility they give you. Yes. The clarity they give you. Yes. You know, you, you don't want the behavior. Get rid of the prop. No no behavior because the behavior yep. is associated with the prop. Or you want to change your criteria, just change the prop a little bit. Yes. That yes. makes that makes it clearer. I love training with props. Yeah. I feel I can never get in trouble because I can always get rid of that prop and find another one and start yes. over with yeah. another one. So if so I can use props to learn stuff. Yes. Even if it's messy and all, because I think, oh, okay, I shouldn't have done it like that, but it doesn't matter. I'll get another prop. That's right. And I can reteach it with the other prop and the horse won't get frustrated because it's a new prop. Yes, absolutely. And they, they help you to be more creative. You know, mm. more, when you have more stuff, it's like, oh, I could put these two things together and that's another pattern. 
it would be fun to play with. So yeah, props are mm. great. Props are really great. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what was the original question in all of that, but I think we've I think we've probably covered it. Well, the original question actually was where we started. When you were using the base behavior, let's say in a in a situation where you're working with two other behaviors, how well developed did they need to be? in order to function and your answer was they could still be in their infancy and you can still work them but of course what you do need and that's back to our beginning you do need a clean loop yes you don't need to have a fully developed behavior but you do need a clean loop yes yeah and that while you and so as the base behavior becomes stronger Mm. then that behavior that is the base behavior in that moment will become increasingly complex and and solid. So it will look more and more and more polished. Yeah. So those are my topics for this week. Ah, excellent. Mm. We covered a lot of ground. Mm. A lot of ground. Good. We did indeed cover a lot of ground. In these three episodes, Dominique drew many of the topics we discussed from the online clinics. We were looking in detail at concepts that were either part of the course itself or they came up during the monthly coaching sessions that are part of the clinics. If you would like to learn more about the clinics, do visit my website, theclickercenter.com. There are eight online clinics in all. We begin with the core foundation lessons And then clinic by clinic, step by step, I take you deeper into performance work. On my website, you can read the syllabus, the list of topics that are covered in each of the courses. They're set up on just a fabulous platform that lets me interact directly with the participants. And that's added immeasurably to the clinic experience. And then of course, we have the coaching sessions that are part of these clinics. That that happens once a month where we go through videos people have sent in and we look at some of the major threads, the concepts that emerge through the lessons that people are currently working on with their horses. So it's just a great learning opportunity. It's also a great opportunity to connect with other clicker trainers. If you want to learn more, go to my website, theclickercenter.com, and do please join us in the clinics. And of course, another great resource for you is my new book, Modern Horse Training. You can order the book from my website, theclickercenter.com, and you can also get it through Amazon and other booksellers. It is available as a hardcover and also as a paperback, and then as an ebook. If you look it up on Amazon, you're going to see some just amazing reviews. People have been leaving the most wonderful comments, which I hugely appreciate. So thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave a five-star review and also your just wonderful comments. Again, they are they are just just hugely appreciated. So next time, we're going to begin a new conversation. And until then, train well and have 
fun with your horses. Mm-hmm.